This is the 1st of November, 1994. Today is my first day of writing the new Star Wars series. I took my kids to school this morning. Uh, my oldest daughter was sick all night. I got no sleep whatsoever. This is my life. This is the hole I live in, a cave I hibernated. I have beautiful pristine yellow tablets, ready to go. Fresh blocks of pencils. I'm all set. All I need is an idea. One, two, three, four. In this podcast, you will be here. Knights of Vader, Knights of Vader. Includes, but is not led to. Talk of Star Wars, not Reagan's. We can't truly prepare for the jump that. A big thank you to An Inspiriority Complex for providing our theme song. It is May 7th, 2019. My name is Zach Weber, and joining me today is Zanger. At last, we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last, we will have our revenge. And on top of Zanger, we have a true renaissance man. He's a podcaster, musician, DJ, YouTuber extraordinaire, if that is a thing. But most importantly, I think most of our audience doesn't know this yet, but he is the father of Knights of Vader, or technically the Star Wars Junk Podcast, because we had to change our name. I welcome again, Josh Cannon, back to Knights of Vader. And I am literally on top of Zenger right now. We've become fast friends. <laughs> at, at last, we'll have our revenge. At last, we'll be... <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yes. Yeah, that joke died quick. Yes, Zach has, has finally brought me back to the podcast. Someone who knows very little about Star Wars, and I can't understand why he keeps asking me to do these, but here I am. The voice for the filthy casuals and the normies out there. I think it's another thing that's fascinating about this podcast is the term filthy casual being associated with it. I like that's to say peasant. Yes, we know. I like normie. There's another one I found. I heard somebody else on another podcast calling people... Uh, Dumb reptiles. I like that. <laughs> the dumb reptiles in the audience. <laughs> um, but it's no like a conspiracy theory thing. I feel more so. Oh no! Wait, the reptile, the reptilians run everything. That's right. Yeah, got it backwards. Uh, but no, like Josh said, um, I like having him on. Is one of my many Star Wars laymen. Uh, on top of Rob, everybody's just on top of each other. Zang, Josh is on top of Zenger. Rob's on top of Josh. Everybody's on top and of each other. Nesting doll of this is a very. This is a very sweaty, sexy podcast. Very homoerotic Star Wars podcast. Yes, hooray! It's, it's, hooray! Because we, is the continuation of Phantom Menace May, I and we are. To this. I know, Zenger. You're being held hostage. You're the only person I know that you're being held hostage, and the door is left completely open at all times, and you still refuse to run out of it. It's scary on the outside. The demons might. The demons might get you if you walk out the door. Yes. 
Phantom Menace May continues. For the last two weeks, we've talked about things kind of tangentially related to Star Wars. But this week, we are doing the 20th year retrospective on the film that began the hate train for Star Wars, The Phantom Menace. So I have no idea how to begin this episode because, to be fair, the internet's been kind of, uh, oh God, how would you describe it? Um, having a hate fest of this movie for the last 20 years. So it's not that bad. Now it's not that bad now that we have The Last Jedi. Oh, no. I was about to say now that we have episode two. Well, we all know your opinion as episode two, Sanger. So, but last time. Not Josh, apparently enough. <laughs> we'll, we'll get back. I know that'll find its way into this conversation one way or another. Uh, but no, last time Josh was on, we had him for the 15th anniversary of attack of the clones back when this was still the star wars junk podcast before zenger was held at gunpoint to be on this podcast blaster point sir blaster point excuse me you can't say gun but josh i guess we'll delve into it with you what is your foundation or like what is your relationship to the phantom menace well um first off i just want to (laughs) say thank you for having me it was so fantastic i can't believe I'm gracing your podcast and um, all 15 people who are listening to it right now. Thank you so much. I just want to say before I I get into any of this that uh, I I am not joking about me being uh, not nearly on the level of Star Wars fan as uh, Zach and uh, Zenger. Um, I am a celebrity guest. I am brought in solely because of name recognition, and I don't <laughs> actually have any qualifications because uh, my podcast, Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries, we have about 30 listeners, so we have double the listener base of uh, Knights of Vader. So uh, just just realize, people, I'm going to say things that are going to get on your nerves. I'm going to say things that you will um, scowl at when you hear me say, because I, I am a filthy casual but um, no, I do have a lot of memories from the Phantom Me- uh, Menace. I remember it was super hyped, of course, you know, being the the uh, the beginning of all Star Wars films. But I remember the Pepsi cans that came out that had uh, all yeah the, yeah the Mountain Dew and the Pepsi cans, and they had the characters on there. And I remember Taco Bell had the toppers on the top yeah. of their drinks and. Yeah. Uh, the toys and um and I didn't actually watch this movie. I just listened to Weird Al's The Saga Begins, and that's that's the only uh information I have about this movie is what he said in that song. It's actually how I remember that. Uh he was nine and she was fourteen. Also, your beginning speech is the same thing I tell Starbucks when they ask for my name for my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean you have to let people know that you're famous. Or yes, else they, I'm or, internet famous. The best kind of famous. Yes. Most unprovable kind of famous. But yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw the movie in theaters, but I don't actually remember doing that. I know I did see the movie at one point. I remember I remember thinking it was okay at the time. I was I was young. I I was uh well, it came out in 99, so I would I would have been like 11. So, I mean, I don't know. I thought I, I really enjoyed the all the Mountain Dew that I drank that had the Star Wars characters on them. And I, I bought the toys. Um, but, yeah, I didn't have a lot of, like, I thought it was an okay movie at the time. And then I rewatched it for this podcast. And um, yeah, I'm not, not a big fan of it, to be, to be honest with you. 
Zenger, what is your background with the Phantom Menace? I did a lot of the same. Bought some toys. Had some figures. Had some cans. Soda sitting around. So I remember I would have them and I had them up like, like, like a little collection lined up. And then weeks later, I threw them away because why not? Um, <laughs> no, it's just one of those things that after a while, it's just kind of like there's a ton of cans sitting there. It's kind of weird. Just a little. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I got I have a handful of the toys actually in the basement right now because I went and found some of them at my at my, the house where I grew up, and um, yeah, they're sitting down there. Uh, I'm pretty sure I saw this movie in theaters. I'm like 100% sure I did. And I was younger, and I enjoyed it. Pod race was cool. And that- actually, speaking of pod racing, I remember playing the game, the pod racing game. Oh, too. yeah. So it's a Nintendo 64. Yeah. 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 That was actually a pretty solid game. It was. It was a pretty solid game. So there's my kind of brief early memory of it. Zach, this was like your intro into Star Wars, correct? This was like Which the is first. weird. Let's <laughs> talk about that. Yeah, yes, this is like yes, the first one you saw. That's crazy. yes. As I remember telling uh, Zenger, one of the very few but many times I've been on Zeng this, and I got brought on to talk about A New Hope, and they're like, "Oh, Zenger's like this is the first like movie we were all introduced to with Star Wars," and I'm like, "Uh-uh." <laughs> and he's like, "What do you mean?" And I'm like, "Phantom Menace was the first movie." He's like. Is that possible? Uh, much like Newt Gunray, he says that it's like, uh, is this even possible? Yes, I, I did. And then I proceeded to contemplate my life as he explained. And then slowly Zanger saw that. I was like holding like like a blaster and I'm like, get on my podcast. And you're like, what? And I'm like, so, get on somehow the I was Somehow I was already on. I got dragged back. That, See, was, that's that was my escape attempt. That's it. Oh, well, I, I figured that's how I was deceiving you. That's how uh-huh. I, you were so just like blindsided by the fact that someone could be introduced to Star Wars through this. It was like, wait, what? And next thing you knew, you're in the uh, Star Wars junk podcast lobby. And you're like, what is this? I got to talk about what now? Yeah, forever. Oh, God. It's, I can't even imagine like that being the first. I mean, that that must completely temper your opinions hey. uh, differently hey. in every way. Oh. It must disenfranchise you towards the rest of the series. <laughs> I think we found our buzzwords this episode, folks. <laughs> uh, no, so like my story behind this, I think I've told it a couple times already, but I'll tell it again. It's worth uh, discussing again. Was that like the first time I was ever introduced to Star Wars, I just, it was actually like a home video somewhere in like night. I think it was like Easter of like 1998. Like the only thing I wanted was flashback. Easter, yes, flashback. I wanted the 12 I'm not done like flashback yet. Good thing because I'm not finished yet. And the power of the Force to like 12 inch figure of Darth Vader. That was like the first thing I ever wanted. Like I ever knew of Star Wars without any context of the movies. And I guess it looked again. Like, obviously, Darth Vader is a design that resonates. He's the uh, Mickey Mouse of Star Wars. And um, but no, like I I didn't. I really never thought about Star Wars until uh, May of 1999 when uh, a friend of my mother's when I was in first grade. Because she had her own kids. Her kids were in the same first grade class as me. They wanted to go to the movies. And they're like, oh, let's go see Star Wars. And I had no idea what it was. If I remember, again, I was only six years old at the time. Yeah, six years old at the time. So I had no idea what it was. And uh, I I don't even remember what I thought walking out of it. All I know is I saw it three other times in addition to that first time that summer. And then, um, long story short, uh, thousands upon thousands of my parents' dollars later, um, here here I am. 
And it was just one of the, I, again, it is the fact, like Josh says, it's the foundation of my love of Star Wars, even rewatching it for this recording. I, I, I kind of, I try to be critical of any time I have to watch something in order to discuss it later. And much like Attack of the Clones or Revenge of the Sith or any Star Wars movie that doesn't begin with the words The Force Awakens, I really couldn't be critical of this. Like, I, I still, it felt like, a like a blanket coming out of the dryer on a cold day like it felt just like that it was just like it was this perfect this thing that's kind of um encompassed me and uh yeah like no bias whatsoever none 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 whatsoever of all things i read about star wars there's not a lot of people that talk about the phantom menace being their first uh introduction to star wars and obviously after that like i i think i've mentioned a few times again like my father had all the like copies he'd like copied off of like hbo that he got like a free preview of like one summer and that's how i like i cause remember when zenger asked me he's like oh like what so you like you grew up with the special editions and i'm like no because my father recorded star wars off of like hbo in like 1989 so I, I all i had was like well the originals in that sense so uh, no i'm a weird person in the sense of i was introduced to stars with the phantom menace but i never really got introduced to the special editions until like 2002 or so Zenger, I have to figure out because like, Josh is kind of lukewarm on this, and in what I know, you obviously you dislike Attack of the Clones the most. I think that's fair to say. Where's not? I, I hate ranking Star Wars films, though. But like, where is this in the grand scheme of things for you? Hmm. Like, is it is it above Revenge of the Sith? Is it below? Is it above Solo? Is it above? Like where is oh, it? Man, I haven't ranked in a while. Good God! I'm not saying um, rank, but like if somebody said right now, like, oh, do you want like? Okay, it's not the worst. Okay, <laughs> yes, we know that. But let's pretend this is like an optometrist appointment. One or two? Would you rather watch Attack? Of, I'm sorry. Would you rather watch Phantom Menace or Revenge of the Sith? Uh, Revenge. Um. Never since we talked about how, like, originally he was supposed to be out for power instead of the love story, I'm really getting annoyed with <laughs> Revenge of the Sith. Oh no, my plan is backfiring. This podcast is making someone dislike Star Wars. <laughs> nah, just the prequels. Um, so what it <laughs> should do. Um, <sighs> there was so much hope and optimism in this movie. That's not answering. Okay, I feel like I'm the optometrist. I'm asking you one or two and you're telling me, like, grapefruit. <laughs> um, one or two I, I'd go with this at the moment because it has been probably a while since I've seen this so just out of wanting to watch this over again that'd be fun plus okay. with my fits of coughing I don't want to get it confused with um with uh, Rachel's coughing so yeah, that's a oh. callback yeah it's a, I think someone made a meme of that in the Facebook group yes they did and I thank them so much for that <laughs> I use it now Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. That, that's a deep cut. Uh, we're not gonna give any context to it. What's no, it? no context. I don't even know what episode that was discussed in. So, if, unless you're poor night and you somehow know our entire catalog like the back of your hand, um, good luck in that joke. Okay, now two or three: Phantom Menace or Solo? Phantom Menace, because Solo, I, I has the I don't think about don't don't think about it bubble floating near me. Oh, okay. You're still kind of lukewarm on that. No, it's good. It's just, it's one of those things. It's the, oh, hey, this whole entire adventure took place in like a weekend for him. <gasps> His entire life story takes place in the weekend. After that, it was just basically him sitting like in a diner somewhere, just getting coffee. No, no. He, he was sitting in the, um, the, uh, bar 
on a, a, most likely he, he was just yeah. sitting there for, for like 10 more years. Yep. Just waiting. Oh, no, wait, <laughs> he went and pissed off Jabba, then went and sat in the bar and was like, now I wait. Oh God, Sanger. But Josh, you, I know you saw the last Jedi and I think it wouldn't be fair. We had any sort of star Wars conversation unless we brought up the last Jedi to some, why is this a thing? I, I'm sorry. It's the rules of the culture of Star Wars right now. I don't make the rules. I just enforce them. Josh, how would you do this? How would you rank this above or below something like The Last Jedi? Well, I, like I said, I, I can't stress enough that I am a normie, filthy casual, okay? I, I just I, I can't keep stressing that. Peasant, however you like. Uh, I felt like the sequels, and, and this is going to sound so stupid and... You feel free to groan right now, hardcore Star Wars fans. I felt like the sequels, the new ones, not the classic trilogy, but they have more. They feel so much more Star Warsy to me than the prequels did, and I think that is because of the use of like real environments and practical re- sets, practical real sets, real effects, rather than this huge raging hard on that George Lucas had for green screening everything. And it was that late nineties CGI that looked awful that did not hold up well at all. And it just made the film feel very, uh, it just, it just felt very cheap now looking back, uh, especially like Jar Jar Binks and boss Nass. And it's like, God, that looks awful. Uh, so for me, I tear my eyes out. So for me, I, I've I've got to go with uh, the sequels. They just feel more like a Star Wars film in those in in a visual aesthetic alone. Not not bringing the story into it um, because I'd have to honestly rewatch um, the both sequels because I only saw them the one time in the theater. It was like what you said the other uh, podcast, Zach. You like you know the most Star Wars fans think about Star Wars twice when they buy the ticket going in and when they leave the theater. That's me. <laughs> there you go, folks. A case in point. Um, I got one person right. The rest of you, I have no idea on. There's been this weird sort of, oh god, like um, like nostalgia feelings for the prequels that weren't there ten years ago. And I no. think the sequels are bringing that on now because a lot of people are looking at what J.J. Abrams and Ryan Johnson and, and the spinoffs. And they're feeling those are a little bit more. Don't get me wrong. I think I think people still, in a weird way, prefer Last Jedi. Okay, not Last Jedi. Force Awakens to um, the prequels for the most part. But there is a contingent of the fan base that thinks like Revenge of the Sith is like the gospel. Yeah, I've been hearing that since uh, even back in the day. I remember everyone saying the prequel sucked. Well, the third one was all right. Back in the day, it was the prequel sucked, but the third one was all right. Now it's the prequels are all right, and the third one's great. Yeah, that, good point. Good point. Um, okay, so like getting in, I don't, again, I, I don't want to do a plot breakdown because I think we everybody who's listening to this has seen the movie. But because uh, you said, uh, I think you two are not thrilled. But like, what's something in this movie that like now that you look back upon it 20 years later that is the most jarring? Like, is it just the Jar Jar, the Boss Nass, or is it any part of like. Oh, like, I have a whole it? list. I compiled a list. <laughs> All right, you know what? The person who does their homework gets to go first. So I, I, I never said I didn't have a list. Okay, okay, Zanger, do you have a list? No. There you go. <laughs> All right, Mister Mister A plus student, Mister uh, Filthy Casual, laid on us. All right. So at the beginning of the movie at the crawl, 
I never, as as a kid especially, it's like I felt like they were marketing this movies towards kids. Yet in the cred in the crawl in the beginning, they're talking about all this complicated stuff that I can't even wrap my like trade routes and taxes and and this whole movie was essentially a movie that about trade route taxes or something like that. And it's like, that's such a boring premise, even though action happens in the movie. It's like, that's like doing a sci-fi movie of me getting an oil change. Then it's somehow making it interesting. God, so I, I, that movie. I, I didn't understand what they were talking about in the beginning. And again, roll your eyes. It's fine. I feel you, even though you haven't heard this podcast yet, I feel your eyes rolling right now. Um, so He's, I... It's precognition, folks. That's how Josh yeah. knows. That's how he's uncovering the unexplained mysteries. He knows in advance. I made some stupid note on here that used more practical on-camera effects than I remembered. But now I'm like, when? When did they do that? Why did I write that? Because I don't... I, 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 they used less than what I remember. But that was a note that I wrote down. Um, then you got those awful accents of uh, the Viceroy, those two alien things. What was that weird Asian pseudo what that, that was like from a big bad sci-fi movie stuff what's can you can you shed some light on that those accents well, has anyone ever complained about those am i the first yes. one no you're not there's nothing in this movie josh you might be a filthy <laughs> casual but you're not the first person to complain about everything in this movie okay uh the nemoidians the viceroy yes a lot of people have dogpiled on that claiming that it's a asian stereotypical voice and I, but I think you kind of answered your own question by saying it's like, oh, like this feels like a throwback to like fifties B movie schlock. Right. Um, George Lucas loves that sort of stuff. He loves again. That's the fun thing about George Lucas. You can't look at any of these movies unless you okay. The ones that George Lucas was involved with, obviously the sequels and the spinoffs, no. But you can't look at the six core films without realizing who George Lucas is. And George Lucas loves his like Saturday morning serial schlock. Whether it be stuff like Flash Gordon or the adventure serials that inspired Indiana Jones. So something like the Nemoidians and it's how they have those kind of, again, oh God, exaggerated voices. That would be something that would just tickle George Lucas sideways. The idea of having that type of voice paired with them. And again, I don't know. I don't think he's ever explained why he made that specific creative choice. But I do think it has something to go with him just loving his schlocky saturday morning stuff uh but to your first question about taxation of trade routes i know there's a lot of uh uh targeted criticism about that i know the documentary the people versus george lucas do that but like oh like when we all sat in the audience and the crawl starts and we watched like the crawl and like the language was off something felt weird yes i get that i, I get that criticism but i think that's also I, I think george lucas is also thinking like 15 steps ahead of all of us he might be so far ahead that he lost us in the process because I think the whole thing with the trade routes is it's just, it's not important. It's like the rebels stealing the Death Star plans, the beginning of, of Star Wars. It doesn't matter. It's just setting the stage. All that matters is that two people are being sent there to settle a blockade. It doesn't matter why the blockade is being started. It, that, that has no relevance to the plot whatsoever. And I think that's one of the things that people have kind of harped on over the years as a way of attacking this film. And I don't want to say it's a straw man argument, but it's 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 not important. It's not meant to be the the focal point of all this. All you have to know is that bad guys are blockading a planet that's not doing anything wrong. And yes, maybe he got a little too wordy with that, 
But at the same time, though, I don't think it's any wordier than saying a bunch of spy rebel spies stole the plans to the Death Star. Like, what the hell does that mean in May of 1977? It means nothing. But with, like, the vibe, I guess, of when you watch the movie and that it is clearly marketed towards children in so many ways, you're going to start the movie off with, with language that to this day I don't even understand. <laughs> Which, granted, I'm not very intelligent, but... No, no, Josh, you are a Rhodes Scholar if there ever was one. The thing I have to say, though, because in preparation for this, I watched the film a couple days ago, but this afternoon I went through and I watched a lot of the bonus features between the Blu-ray and the DVD. And I think the point you're making here, I think this could be kind of my thesis for this entire conversation is... I think George, George Lucas has said it numerous times. He made these films Hold for on children. Hold a second. Okay. Turmoil has engulfed the Galactic <laughs> Republic. The taxation of trade routes on the outlying star systems. In, it, how is this confusing to any of you? <laughs> Hoping to resolve the matter with a blockade of deadly starships, the Greedy Trade Federation has stopped all shipping to the small planet of Naboo. Seriously, like, how are you guys not picking up on all of the subtext in here? He's spelling it out for you. Okay, I'm going to answer that sarcasm with what I was originally going to say before I was interrupted. Due to the delay of the Mueller report, (laughs) they were unable to have Supreme... (laughs) I mean, I could just insert other things in here, and I don't think anyone would argue with me. No, they probably wouldn't. But back... Beth, the point I'm trying to make is is that like I watched this movie four times when I was six years old. Why are they secretly dispatching Jedi? There's there's actually a reason why for that. That's not explained in the movie, but we'll 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 get back to that. We're secretly going to dispatch these Jedi to solve this conflict. Well <laughs> I just I just want to see them riding in on Harleys with like flags waving going, We're gonna come in and everyone's gonna notice us. No secrets here. See, Josh, you're not the only one who has a co-host that interrupts you when you're trying to make a point for, like, oh. the fourth time. See? I'm, I'm so glad that I, I don't feel so alone now. <laughs> See, misery loves company. But, no, the thing is that, well, I was six years old watching this, and I couldn't have been the only six years old doing that or six-year-old doing this, is that that didn't matter to me. All that matters to me is the fact that, like, we get to see them go into the they, – they get off the ship. They walk into, like, a little conference room, which I think is so, like – I love it so much. There's a little conference room. The beginning of Star Wars begins in a conference room. I like that. Like, if anyone's going to attack anything about this movie, attack it for that. Forget about the crawl. But you have that, and you do. You have the idea that, like, something's in motion. And that's what Star Wars always is about. It's never, and that's the thing about Rogue One that's so weird, the movie, is that, like, the setup is not important in Star Wars. The fact that we're always supposed to be picking up at a point where something's already transpiring. And six-year-old me didn't care about the opening crawl. Like, this film made me fall in love with Star Wars. And yes, like, obviously, I don't want to use my own personal antidote and, and apply that to everything. But at the same time, though, considering that the prequels now are starting to have this, much like Josh pointed out, kind of resurgence in popularity shows that I can't be alone here. And I do think that all this is just kind of getting... And maybe George Lucas did get caught get caught up in the minutiae and the weeds of it all, though. But it's just the whole idea of two Jedi Knights are being sent to handle this dispute. And it's funny how we look at Star Wars now, especially under the lens of Palpatine being back for the rise of Skywalker. Like, the whole idea I that... I never left. 
Exactly. It's the idea that why would think about it? It's like Zenger just mentioned. Why were the Jedi being dispatched in secret? What did the Jedi order the council and Chancellor Valorum know that they were trying to do something without anybody knowing? Because think about it, the moment that Palpatine Darth Sidious is contacted by the fact that two Jedi were sent into this, he doesn't seem too happy. And much like how we discussed two weeks ago about um, Palpatine's plans for all this, the fact that he says the Chancellor should never have got them involved with this, kill them immediately. Like I think that goes to show that clearly somebody was aware of the fact that the, that the Trade Federation was doing something, much like Qui-Gon says, that was highly unorthodox for them. See, already I feel like I'm listening to C-SPAN right now. <laughs> Folks, am I, much like how jo- Josh knows that you're, you're, you're rolling your eyes, am I shooting myself in the foot? Are you guys noticing after the fact that I'm shooting myself in the foot when it comes to defending this film? <laughs> Zenger, you try to make heads or tails of this. What's going on? We need your patented sense of insight when it comes to deciphering The Phantom Menace. Well... I'm going to have to defer to a much more expert opinion on this than myself. Well, see, here's the thing. (laughs) See, we got the Supreme Chancellor who's colluding. There is confirmed collusion because he secretly dispatched these two Jedis, which these are not elected officials, but are going to represent elected officials. There's collusion in the Jedi Order. We got to take it down. Josh, did you let Mr. Jones out of his cage? <laughs> we're going yeah, to get banned off Facebook now for this, and at least Instagram. There goes the KOV podcast. Instagram. Mr. Jones, are you going to get us banned off Facebook and Instagram now? I'm trying. I'm just going gonna to pull a Joe Rogan on this one and go, that's crazy. <laughs> that's that was fa- crazy. That was five hours that I could not stop watching. I've never, I've never been so glued to a, a computer monitor before, but uh, that's a topic for another day. That's for a Knights of Vader after dark. <laughs> can, we, can we swear on that one? Yes, you can do anything you want, Knights of Vader after dark. Heck yes. Yeah. Oh, dear. So, Zanger, what, what is your deciphering all this? I know clearly that you, behind your facetious facade, um, you must have an opinion on this that's at least slightly objective. Um, the beginning of this movie. Like, were you confused when you saw this in nineteen ninety nine? Okay, like, what you okay. Think of if this? you took out the Jedi's and just had it be just a ton, like for some. Okay, let, let's let's just play a what if game of instead. It started with the Jedi's just happened to be there escorting two senators, and that's how it started. Was like some Senate committee thing where they were discussing. I would have been like, "What the heck am I watching?" What Good is bad. this? Okay, bad. Because I mean, bad. as as an adult, yes, I watched, and yes, there is a lot of mentions of the Senate and political jargon in New Hope when the Empire, when the Imperial officers are discussing stuff. But it's briefed over. It's kind of like a footnote thing. It's like a barely mentioned thing that most of the time they clap up about pretty quickly. There's mention of the Senate. There's mention of turmoil. There's stuff. There's political discussions, but it's nothing that is the focus of like an entire like. I mean, yes, the boardrooms. I mean, the room, the circular room scene where Vader chokes out the one guy. That's basically. It's just a ton of like story building plot points. That's just talking about like what the political situation is in these movies. I never sat there and went, "Huh, I wonder how the Galactic Republic operated." Also, 
on a side note, why did Amidala have to go to Coruscant to vote? Couldn't she have just hollowed in to do the vote? No, they remember they did um uh transmission disruption can only mean one thing. No, 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 Invasion. no, no, no. no, sorry. I'm jumping ahead to episode two argument already because oh, I've read the crawl to that and was like, so that's why she was going to Coruscant? Well, the reason why they can't do that is because someone's trying to assassinate her. They can't have anybody like Oh, they, they can't have her protected on a planet. They like, don't have Zenger, they don't have VPNs in, in Star Wars. Uh, but still, I mean, <laughs> like I said, this it, I mean it's good to get the Jedi out there quick because then that's like a yay, Jedi. But you're kind of left going, wait, trade fat what? It's, I don't know, it just it just all seems like a ton of, like, I feel like George Lucas at some point wanted to write a political drama, but was told no. So he's like, I'm just going to do it myself. <laughs> but I'm going to make Star Wars political and no one will argue with me because it's mine. Well, yes, I would imagine that thought has gone through his head numerous times in the last few years. I feel he had meetings with people to tell them he's still just going to do what he wants. <laughs> Oh, God. But no, like that's the thing I okay. Cause you can't argue with the cultural importance of the original trilogy. But like as you go back and look at these movies now, 20 years later, I do feel there are things there's still things going on. Like this is like the problem with this, like I can't imagine 20 years after The Force Awakens, we're gonna go back and look at that film and be like, oh, Look at all like the small nuances in the sense of like like all the, like the little crevices where other stories and other details can be mined. I don't think we're going to have that with that film. And I think with this, even though yes, it is convoluted. I agree with you. Compared to Star Wars 1977 where you have the blockade runner being chased down by the giant imperial star destroyer which might make an appearance in the rise of Skywalker. It's but then the again the beginning of that there's the whole the imperial senate will not that's not the beginning, though. Like, well, we're talking about the very beginning. Like, this is what Josh is talking uh, oh, about. Oh, no, I'm, I'm just trying to think of how much political talk there is in these movies now, and it's really hurting my head. <laughs> the prequels or just in general? Just in general. There's a lot of it. But you, know what it's, but you know what it's absent from? The new movies. And Rogue One. Well, no, there's the one scene in Rogue One. There's the one what? scene where they're all sitting in the room together, and they're bickering about how they're going to handle the Death Star. And Jyn Erso's like, it's like, rebellions are built on hope. And like you have that, and they're all bickering with, with, with each other. That, that I, yeah. I, funny thing is, that I like that, though. Like this, I, I know everybody like, crucifies the, the Senate sequences in this and Attack of the Clones, where you have them, and it's like uh, Palpatine like, introduces her. And, I, like, and weirdly, maybe this is the political, the political junkie in me coming out, but like the scene where it's like she goes up there, and she's like, uh, my people are being blah, 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 blah. And like immediately the Trade Federation senator is like, we object. And it's like, and then like you have Chancellor Valorum go, the 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 whoever it is does not recognize the delegation from the Trade Federation. And and like I don't know, like maybe if Lucas did a little bit more seating in that moment, because I know there's a deleted scene where he was going to introduce Bail Organa during that, which at that time wasn't played by Jimmy Smith. So I think if you do like, if if there maybe was a little bit more seating in that moment. It would make it go down a little bit more, make it a little bit more uh, palatable. Uh, but no, I, I obviously people have had problems with this, even though it doesn't reflect in the grosses at all. But it, I, I don't. Again, I don't see a problem with it. I think it adds to the character of these movies. Again, it's the idea that letting Lucas did what he wanted to do, 
I think if you're going, the same people who sit there, just, what's the word, eat up Darth Maul, you have to eat your, eat your uh, vegetables with it. And if that happens to be a Galactic Senate meeting over trade taxation, then so be it. So, so my question is this, though. If we got our Senate a ton of floating platforms to fly around on, would people watch C-SPAN? Well, at some point, will the Chancellor be fighting a, a green little Jedi character and say throw one, throw like different floating Senate seats at each other? Would that air on C-SPAN? Let yes. us know in the comments. Yes, it would. I do imagine there's a star, there's a Star Wars like C-SPAN, it's like SW span, and it's like a little, like one camera that's like fixed to like one of the things. And Good it's, like, God, like, that'd be it's, annoying. They're just little dots moving around at that point. No, except the fact that one of the ones that they, the one that you know, like the one that Palpatine throws at Yoda, he catches and he spins and throws back. That's the one with the camera. <laughs> oh man, that's a day to be sick. Oh God. So Josh, you had you said you had please give us some more topics from your list. Okay. That we can argue for or against or just whatever. All right. So again, I have to preface every statement I make. I'm a filthy casual and I'm gonna say a bunch of stuff that is obvious peasant. to everybody. <laughs> dumb reptile. Peasant. Peasant, dumb reptile. So cause I dude, I don't keep up with the message boards. I don't keep up with any of the online like Star Wars culture. So all the stuff that I'm saying, when you tell me, oh yeah, a lot of people have talked about that, that's like I'm like, oh wow. Cause like I don't I don't know about any of these, um, I guess, preconceived hatreds, because uh, <laughs> I don't keep up with it. Although this next one I'm going to mention, I definitely knew about, and that would be when Jar Jar Binks was introduced in the movie. And good God, uh, again, I mentioned the uh, huge raging erection that every movie director <laughs> had for c that awful CGI, that late 90s, uh, CG. I mean, I, I'm reminded of the the Spider-Man movies, back the the original or the first the what? ones in the 2000s. What? And now and, you get you get thrown off the podcast for that. I, well, I just remember uh, Peter Parker being dressed as Spider-Man, and he's in the Spider-Man suit, and it's like, okay, that looks pretty good. And then as soon as he jumps off a building, he, he turns into this bright, jiggly sprite that's like just looks like he's just like no bones in his body as he's swinging around. It just it's like, oh god, that looks bad. I and and for a long time, I didn't want to watch movies that had heavy amounts of CGI for that reason. Now they've gotten a lot better with it, but Jar Jar Binks was on top of having one of the worst, uh, the voices and the sayings. Like, uh, I mean, Jesus Christ, the amount of times he says how rude. I wasn't that like a, a Stephanie Tanner from Full House. Wasn't that her catchphrase? How how wooed? Like, was that supposed to be cute? And he's just all bright and jiggly with his CGI lack of bones, and uh, it, it's he's just so in the voice, the, the the actual accent or the voice that they give him was so low budget. Like, I'm just watching this with my jaw on the floor. I'm like, how the hell did this character get like? make it on to this movie and and like i think of all the poor bastards that had waited you know 20 plus years or yeah about 20 years to see the new star wars installment and everyone's all excited in the theater on 1999 you know and then jar jar binks comes up how many of those people were like what the f is this like so i'm sorry i mean i know it's been he's been beaten to death but i just had to bring it up 
And I mean, even the gu- the Gungans, like when they go to uh, Jar Jar's little Gungan city or whatever underwater, and the uh, the guard is like, you know, Jar Jar, you're in deep doo doo. And it's like, I thought this was supposed to be a, a long time ago in a galaxy far away. And he's saying stuff that Stephanie Tanner off of Full House says. And the Gungan guard is saying, you're in deep doo-doo. Like, what the hell? Like, I don't know, man. That, that just really was like, God, that's so bad. Okay, I'm Z- done. Zanger, what do we say when someone says Gungan? Gungan. Gunga. Gunga. <laughs> oh, good old George Lucas. All right, um... Can I respond first? Go ahead, Zanger. Um, I I got an unpopular opinion to stack on this to make Zach's head maybe explode. My head hasn't ever even gotten back yet. It's still somewhere at this point. I don't know what galaxy it's. It's on, it's on this my soapbox at this point. It's so high up there. I don't even know oh, yeah. it anymore. Um, I'm indifferent to Jar Jar. Like honestly, like he's a very very easily to ignore character. He he serves his purpose in like the one or two scenes. Like, he is essential for, and that's it for me. He just kind of is this character that every now and then speaks up, and I'm like, oh, God, it's talking, and then just kind of ignore it. (laughs) So, that's... See, him and the kid don't bother me in this movie because they're... Both of them are very ignorable for most of what they do in this movie. Uh, Okay. Why is he he there? Why? 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 Just why? And why is he so bad? Because they needed a Chewbacca-like thing that everyone could love, and George Lucas focus-tested the wrong set of people. By that, I mean <laughs> he just watched this himself and went, this is this is good. I, I really like the direction I'm going in here. Didn't George Lucas one time say when he was asked who was your favorite Star Wars character, he, he just said Jar Jar Binks just to troll people? Yeah, that sounds about right. I think we should point out Lucas's legendary contempt for the fan base once again. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I well, despise all of you that made me famous. Well, again, like again, what happens in Attack of the Clones? Uh, Delo Felagates. He's the one that's responsible for for allowing Palpatine to create the army. <laughs> like, if there's never been a greater fu to the Star Wars fan base than there was at that exact moment, it, it was glorious. This day, I, that might be one of my top ten Star Wars moments. The, the Jar Jar is responsible for creating uh, the mess that the rest of the series is in. Perfection. Uh, to let Josh know, in, in canon books, he is, not Josh canon books, but in canon continuity, they sit there, um, Jar Jar's like, like a street performer, like like post-original like original trilogy. Like everybody blames him for uh, what happens. <laughs> Fantastic. That's real. That's real. That's actually... Uh, Zang, what would happen if Jar Jar shows up in The Rise of Skywalker? <sighs> I guess JJ gets his wish. Oh, so you're saying it'd just be the bones. I'd say it'd be he'd be dead. Oh, well, we all know how long Gungans live for. What's their lifespan? I'll look it up. Yeah, you better. Jar Jar is a matter of preference. So there's no defending him in the sense of like you either like him or you don't. I never had. Or you're just indifferent him. to him. Maybe I'm the only one that holds that opinion. No, he's I, just I kind of there for me. He's I just, don't. I okay. I think you're indifferent because you've been callous to Jar Jar. I don't think you're indifferent. It's like I don't think anybody walked out of the Phantom Menace and was like, eh. Like, it, it's unless you don't care about Star Wars. Let me say. Okay, let me rephrase that. If you're a Star Wars fan, no one you didn't walk out of the theater in 1999 and go, meh. It's I don't think it was that type of movie. My God, what's there? The answer. I'm I'm just going to go with the with the quick answer, like okay. the one it just gave me off of Google. Uh, most sites quote the lifespan of what do we call them? Gungas. 
at 65 years. The source for this figure seems to be the ultimate alien anthropologist. Mm, that sounds mm-hmm. reputable. Do you uh, know how Shelford, old Jar Jar is by the beginning of the Phantom Menace? Uh, I'll I'll look it up. All right. Oh wait, the the actual thing is, could Jar Jar live long enough to appear in the next <laughs> Star Wars movie? See, Josh, there's no question about Star Wars that hasn't already been thought of and been typed into some message board somewhere. Yeah, and 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 I'm I I apologize for not knowing about all this, but I'm literally just like shooting from the hip here. Isn't it every time Josh apologizes on this podcast and Angel gets his wings? Do you shoot first from the hip? <laughs> Ferrets? Ferrets? Okay. <laughs> oh, God, I don't even know what's going on anymore. Um, no, it's like, again, Jar Jar, I, I think there's a difference I want to make with the comment you're making is that I don't think Jar Jar looks cheap. I think he looks like a product of his time. Like you said, I I don't think anybody can deny George Lucas did not spend again. He poured the money into this. I don't think he cut any corners. I think it was just the idea that maybe the technology wasn't up to snuff yet. And it's kind of fascinating that considering how much time he tinkered with these movies, that when he re-released the Phantom Menace in 2012 as part of uh, the 3D thing, he didn't try to redo any of the special effects, or at least not to my knowledge. Um, like I said, Jar Jar, everybody has their opinion on him. I don't think you can ever change someone's opinion on Jar Jar. I, growing up with this, he was never my favorite character. I certainly didn't dislike him. Like, I, I, I had all the Jar Jar toys. I had the, the, the plush doll of him. I had the, the Pizza Hut toy of him, like, crouched, like, squeezing this giant, like, white jelly thing. Um, I had action figures of him. I, I, I never, I never got the contempt for Jar Jar. But that's just me. I never again. I, I, he, Lucas sold merchandise with him on, and I bought it. So I guess mission accomplished. So, but but you were you were a kid though, so of course you weren't you weren't going to have contempt for. He was like like that's that's like like a silly thing that talks silly and does silly things. That's like every kid show I've ever seen. You know, my niece watches that crap all the time on TV. I'm like, Jesus, this is awful. And then I saw Jar Jar, and it's like everything about him is just like that could only appeal to a child because no adult is going to see that and be like, oh, that that's charming. I like him. Now, that's a character I can get behind right there. Well, okay. I, okay. I think once, like I always say, and like Josh brought up earlier, there's the idea that the casual fan. Uh, I, 20, by the way. He's 20 by the events of the Phantom Menace? Uh, according to this thing I found, which would make him... He'd be dead then by like the Rise of Skywalker. Or unless, unless he He'd be 86. Before. Oh my god. So what you're that's saying according to this chance. list. That's, that, that, that's according to this thing. I'm going to cross-reference it in a little bit. So what you're saying, Zanger, is that there's a chance? Yes. Okay, good. That's good. a word. Uh, no, I, I think I was only 57. I know he died young. Luke Skywalker is at the same age in like the last Jedi when he died. Hold on. I will see you. You'll, you'll fact check that. I'm fact checking it. But no, like, I think the mass audiences had no problem with Jar Jar. Like I remember like when like, uh, he was 53. Uh, okay. Um, by you know how like, old I, Leia was. How old Leia Zanger? Oh, I need somebody to guess. 
Okay, I think everybody knows a slam dunk of a question. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, you, you at home, much like Josh says, if you're not already rolling your eyes or watching me shoot myself in the foot, you can throw your uh, your whatever device you're listening to this throughout the, out the window because it's made a bad joke. Yeah, made an awful joke. When my parents got forced to watch this with me four times in theaters, and then like when Revenge of the Sith came out, you have like the, there's only like the two scenes of Jar Jar. And the one at the very end during like Padme's funeral, and he has like his head down, and Boss Nass is there. I remember people in the theater being like, "Aw!" Like during that moment with Jar Jar, because it was. I think, like, I don't think the mass audiences hated Jar Jar as much as the uh, the loudspeaker of the internet and the fan community does. Like, no. Like, do you need Jar Jar in this? Not really. Is he there to sell toys? Yeah, and I think a lot of it too is the fact that George Lucas did want to have an all CG character, and that was his way of working it into the the movie. There's there's a saying that my father used to tell me that if you can make if you walk into a room for the first time and you can make everybody laugh, you've done nine tenths of your job. And I think that's what Jar Jar is, but clearly it did not work in a way that was ideal. Because at the same time, Josh, like Josh has made it very loud and clear his opinions on Jar Jar. But at the same time, though, this is a film that made over $400 million back in 1999. Um, you can't argue with the success of this film. You can argue whether you like it or not on a personal level, but you can't argue whether this film resonated with people. Good or bad. Like, the movie made money. It did its job. Yeah, that's kind of my opinion on Jar Jar. Like, Jar Jar, Jar Jar's fine. Like, I have no problems with him as a character. Like, like I, I don't think he's the greatest character ever. I think he's infinitely more annoying on Star Wars, the Clone Wars, than he ever was in any of the movies. But I think oh, that God, was intentional. If, if, you're saying, if you're saying Jar Jar is annoying, then I'm, I'm, I might have to shoot my TV set if I ever see that thing you're talking about. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I, I agree with him on that. Uh, cross-referencing <laughs> on that note, uh, Born 52 BBY. That would put these events are 32 BBY, so 20 years old. Yeah, okay, so that was correct then. Yeah, but I mean, this I, I'm getting those numbers from a legend thing. Eh, close uh, enough. Canon doesn't really. I doubt anybody is Lucasfilm is like really having that discussion right now. All right, well, I did my due diligence. Back Thank to you, whatever it is I do on this podcast, but besides that, being held hostage. Yeah, Profe- yeah. professional uh, hostagey. Yes. All right, Josh, hit us with another question or comment or concern. Mostly okay. concerns. Uh, since since, since uh, I'm, I'm addressing the elephants in the room for the complaints of this movie, I guess I'll go to the second one that I observed. Uh, oh, God, little Anakin's acting. Uh, Jesus Christ. I mean, I, this is another one that I heard online, you know, people complained about whatever, but good God, that kid was a horrible actor. I need to point out something real quick. When I met your father, he was a great star pilot. Okay, you can continue. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Just want to remind people, Obi-Wan said that. It's a thing. We all accept it. Why do we accept it? Hmm. <laughs> I'm just watching this movie, and this kid... First of all, they have him say, yippee, way too many times. I don't want to look at Darth Vader and think that when he was young, he was like, <laughs> yippee. <laughs> I just want Vader now to be like, just flying in it, yippee. Yippee. <sighs> I used to say that all the time as a child. Like, I- I'm just looking at this kid going like, as someone who is eventually going to become 
one of the coolest villains of all time. Couldn't they have made him a little more brooding and and like uh, thoughtful or, you know, like in his head a little more, a little bit more disturbed slightly? He's like the most happy-go-lucky, bad-acting little kid in this movie. And, and like his lines are just, I'm just like, God damn, man. Like, like, like they, that's the take you're going to go with, George? Like... That take that he did that made it to the final cut, that's the take you decided to use? Like, I'm just like, God, this kid is like an awful actor. And again, like he's all the things that he's saying and and doing. I'm like, so I am to believe now that Darth Vader was this like yippee saying badass, like pod racing person when he was younger. Like the whole like the things that I'm to now believe when I look at Darth Vader are just completely uh, l- just lamify the character a bit for me as I'm going through and watching this again. And again, I must state for the 15th time, I am a filthy casual. Josh, we're going to cut all these out. When you hear this, there's going to be none of those. And you get one of those. And Rick, Josh is like, I'm not going to curse. You don't have to edit this episode at all. Then he's like, I'm going to preface and conclude everything I say with the phrase, <laughs> I am not allowed to have this opinion. <laughs> Well, I'm just, I, I know, I'm just like, I know that Star Wars, fa- you know, I know I'm, I'm treading, we have, you know. We have a very forgiving audience. They put up with us this far, Josh. If, if we haven't already disenfranchised them at this point. No, there it is, drink. <laughs> trust me, Josh, you're not going to be the one that puts them over the edge. I just know I'm saying very obvious stuff, but I can't help but to feel the feelings that I felt when I watched the movie again. And I just forgot, like, good Lord, I just forgot how bad. And I know that that kid, like, didn't he, didn't he, like, not do a single acting role after that? Wasn't that his sole acting gig? No, no, Jake Lloyd was around a little bit longer after that. Like, now he's, like, in a mental asylum. Like, he's, like, he has some serious problems. I'm not even joking. Um, I think he's, like, schizophrenic now because of, like, what people did to him. Uh, oh really? What, what, was the blowback against him like like that bad? That they were, yeah. were, they, were like were they like sending death threats to his house? Yes. Like I mean, like it's not even a joke. Like he is like go type Jake Lloyd into Google. Like I, you genuinely feel bad for him. Like what? And that's and that's why there is that like the, there is the dark side of the Star Wars fandom is that there are people that really kind of like took it like with their insane hatred of this took it overboard. Like we're like again, poor Jake Lloyd's like. He he has problems. Ahmed Best, who played Jar Jar, like he said, he contemplated suicide. Oh um, God! Yeah, now, like I feel, now, I, now I feel like a. Dick. <laughs> no, actually, you're entitled to your opinion, though. But like the problem, like you can say I don't like Jar Jar, but it's another thing, like taking it out on the actor. Yeah, it's right. like you can say I don't like I don't like the character. What was Lucas's like thought process like in these deci- creative decisions? But like you can't go to the actor and be like, "Yo, I hope you effing die." Like kill yourself, like you can't do that. It wasn't the actor making the choice. Yeah, no, they're doing their job. Yeah, a gig's a gig. I mean, you know that. You know, the good good for the kid. I'm sure he, you know, got a a nice payday out of that. You know, and and, and hey, you know, more more power to him. Even though, it, you know, I'm sure if he could go back, he would like not do that. But uh, God, he was an awful actor in that movie. He was he was just awful. Um, and again, but how, okay, but how much? Okay, I, I brought this point up two years ago during our Attack of the Clones discussion. How much of that is him, or how much of that is Lucas directing him? Where's the line? 
Yeah, you know, it's like when someone reads a line poorly and they just, like, I feel like if you're a good enough actor, you can still deliver a lot, even if it's directed back. It's, um, okay, it's, it's, so say you're a great guitar player and you have an engineer in the studio and the engineers, like, totally decide he's going to take over the project. And he doesn't like the guitar solo you're playing. So he tells you to play this stupid guitar solo that does not make sense in the context of the song. But even though it doesn't sound good in the context of the song, you still finesse the notes. You still land on them right on time, right on tempo. The solo sounds bad, but you executed it well. I feel like that's a good analogy for why I feel like this kid is a bad actor. Because I feel like you can be directed badly, and though it was a poor choice, I feel like you can still execute it in a way that shows, well, you can tell he's a good actor, this was just a bad line, or a bad take that they went with, or whatever. If that makes any sense. Oh, it makes sense, though, but it's... I think we're doing an apples-to-oranges comparison here, and I know what you're getting at, but it's the idea that you have Jake Lloyd, who was... Zenger, how old was Jake Lloyd when he made this film? Well, that's what I'm trying to figure out. According to this, he was born uh, September of 1993, but he seems to be—he seems to have had a pretty interesting Australian rules football career. <laughs> Did I look up the wrong Jake Lloyd? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Zenger, you're too clever for us. Um, but no, uh, actual it's... Jake Lloyd was born uh, March 5th of 1989. Currently 30 years old. His acting active years of acting were from 1996 to 2001. He retired from acting after being bullied at school for his role in Star Wars. He decided to no longer keep all of his Star Wars memorabilia as well. In June of 2015, he was arrested in South Carolina for reckless driving, driving without license, and resisted arrest after several months. After serving a 10-month sentence, Lloyd was transferred from jail to a psychiatric facility after he was diagnosed with schizophrenia. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I think that kind of killed the mood. <laughs> All right, jo Josh, tell us why Jake Lloyd is a horrible actor. I want you to say it now and not feel like a bad person. Well, I mean, I'm just... The uh, if, if, if he wasn't... Maybe if he did a little better job in the movie, he wouldn't have gotten schizophrenia. Think about that. That's what we really need to be the quite asking and questioning. Folks, I want you all to think back to the beginning of this episode. This guy right here is the reason why you've had this podcast for the last two years. I want you all to think about that right now. Zach, I'm like the stepdad that you had that drank and hit you. I'm not a good example, okay? I had never, at no point did I say you should do what I'm doing, but you did, and you and you went the other way with it. So you're a good, you're an example to all the other kids who are wanting to start a podcast who had a bad uh, podcast grandfather as an example. There, you <laughs> what a clunky analogy. But you oh know god, what? that was that was awful. <laughs> but you know what? It's a clunky analogy for a clunky Star Wars podcast. I mean, I'm almost, I'm almost as, as on, and I'm almost on as few brain cells as I have when I do my podcast. So, I mean, that's, so you're getting like pretty much the Josh that, that uh, if anyone listens to my podcast has come to know and, and, and tolerate. Folks, if you're ever not good, one day Zanger and I are going to go on vacation, or I guess I'll go on vacation and take my hostage with me. Yeah. And 
and I'll have Josh then do like like a guest guest host. So it's gonna be an entire like two hours of just about prefacing and ending every statement with "I have no right to say this," but and just all these random things about uh, Star Wars and how let's be little Jake Lloyd. That's the, that's a sad thing. If we ever get, it'll be funny. I have all the episodes. This will be the one we get in trouble for. Yep, it'll be fun though. It'll be fun. I, I didn't say to... anything negative. I said he was ignorable in the movie. No, you're, you're complicit in this, Sanger. Dang it! You're an accomplice <laughs> to all this. All right, Jake Lloyd. I have no. I've never had a problem with him. I think I've never had a problem with Yippee. It's the same thing. I would imagine Baby Hitler probably said Yippee at least once in his life. Oh um, my God! How did we get here? <laughs> Oh man, folks! It's, it's that's what happens when you have your uh, abusive stepfather that that drinks on the podcast. So I um, just want to say this podcast was going down a nice hall, <laughs> and all of, a, all of a sudden took a face first turn into Hitler jokes. <laughs> I didn't say Hitler jokes. I said I made a comparison. There's a difference. I, I got to say jokes for I feel legal reason. <laughs> I, I knew this podcast was just a a, a front for an alt right uh, counter movement. <laughs> Oh, jeez. Yeah. Now we're getting really getting banned off Facebook. Dang. <laughs> uh, keep Not it like topical, this. folks. Keep it topical. By the time you hear this, folks, that will have happened probably three weeks ago. In the first hour, they were doing Alex Jones impressions <laughs> and referencing Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the correspondents even said he was glad a little boy got schizophrenia. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. They were all uh, wearing MAGA hats. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good Lord. It's so tight. <laughs> oh god um okay where do we go that, from here folks you gotta leave room for your hairpiece you want to know another problem i had with the 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 yes keep it going <laughs> just, uh, just keep it moving <laughs> all those damn swipe transitions good lord they love those so um i'm just gonna point this out real quick because i want to do this now so um at my pre one of my previous existences where i worked for a tv station there was ways to do different wipes and god dang if you did the wrong one to the wrong thing like you never wanted to like do like a fun transition into like a murder story i just feel like (laughs) somebody was sitting there and just realized we have all these different ways to do transitions and nobody told them to stop yeah, they have like the clockwise wipe, they have the diagonal, they have the vertical, they have the horizontal, it Star swipes wipe. left, it swipes right. It it I mean it's like we get it. You really like that effect. Uh yeah, you know, on Final Cut, you know, the editing program I use. The swipes are just one of many transitions. There's crossfades, there's uh going from black to the you know, color, there's uh, you know, dissolves. There's all kinds of transitions you can use. Swipes are just one of the many palettes of color to transition a, a scene. So for the record, I just want to point out that um, we created a Star Wipe, and it was super cool. A Star Wars wipe? No, a Star Wipe, to where it like oh. made like a star as it wiped out. That had wars in it? No, I... I just, I made it for certain. I made we made it. I used it every now and then. It was definitely something not to have near like. And then the train hit the bus of kids. 
And then the former child actor was diagnosed with schizophrenia. Yes, you don't it, use it there. And it made Josh happy, apparently. That's the narrative that that's the narrative that is being started on this podcast. Now, did I start that narrative myself? Possibly. I'm not here to debate that. But it's a narrative that's going on and I don't like it. So somebody got real real way too happy with uh, final cut, apparently. In the wipe yeah. transition. Well, did they use those wipes in in the? They used them in the original trilogy, correct? Yes, but it was a it was a subtler thing. I feel. Well, I feel like the scenes lasted longer. Like so, when it did do well, that's it, that's the problem. It seems like this movie jumps around so freaking often. Your neck's gonna snap from being thrown from one scene to another. Well, that's what made them so awkward to me. Is because the scenes were changing so much. I'm like, good lord, these constant wipe transitions. It's like. Uh, yeah, I mean, especially like towards the end where all the, you know, the climax of like the Gungan battle and then the Darth Maul fight and then the. Wait, uh, they still have the wipes in during that? Yeah, they're wiping all over the place. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my good lord. Perfect. I hate, I hate when someone's wiping all over the place. I'm, I'm glad we got that sentence into this show. There's a lot of things I'm glad are in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, there's going to be like five or six like seconds straight at numerous points. There's going to be long bleeps. <laughs> <laughs> Just long bleeps. Like, beep. Or you think hey, I, I, I asked Zach where, where my 20-second delay button was, and he, he said it was not provided. I was supposed to bring my own from home. At the, uh, rate, it's, at the rate it's going, it's going to be like a three-hour delay where I just delete the entire episode. It's like, well, that was, it's like, well, that's a loss. It's like time to record. Like, singer, we have to record a whole other episode again. God damn it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I have no opinion on the wipes. I they've never bothered me. Um, it's it's an editing choice. Have Jorge anybody else complained about the wipes? Is this a new complaint? Uh, I don't think anyone's been as like pointed about it as you are right now. But I uh, mean, I've, I've seen it discussed I, before. I've I noticed it. It's a thing. It's, it's maybe, kind of one of those things the, uh, where if I really want to dig into me hating. See, I'll dig in and complain about the wipes in episode two. And <laughs> not here. Ignore, not here. Um. All right. Just going down my list. I. I, I feel like I'm. I feel like the crowd's turning on me. Like the longer I go. No, nah, you're good. But but I'm I'm feeding off of that that dark energy. Look so at it this just, way. Worst case scenario, Pork Knight is at least subscribed to your podcast now or your channel. Dancing with Ghosts, folks, on YouTube. Check it. Pork Knight, we know you'll seek him out. Go go my, subscribe right now. My music videos already have enough thumbs down. I don't need more people thumbing them down. <laughs> oh, I can do that? Oh, what's wrong with the transition you used here, jackass? You shouldn't have made fun of episode one. You should have um, added more wipes. You should have added more wipes into those music videos, Josh. That's what yeah. That's my comment. They're so Star Wars-y at this point, I just don't think I can ever use them after watching episode one. <laughs> See, that's um, where you use a star wipe. No one expects it. I can't. I'm not actually smart enough to create my own transitions. Oh, yeah. Plug-in effects are bust, folks. I mean, if it's not a preset that I can't just slap on there, then you know, I, I, I just I can't do it. You know, that story's sad. I'm what you call a professional. Um, the pod racing scene, I felt like it was. Uh, oh, personally, I just felt like it was completely unnecessary. It went on way too long. It had nothing to do with anything, and it combined two things. I didn't really care for about the movie, which is more Jar Jar Binks and pod racing. Oh, I thought you were going to say two things you don't care. I mean, don't really like in your real life pod casting and racing. Well, I can complain on, on, on my podcast and, and people 
people like it. So I, I, I like podcasting when I can. Just not pod racing. Yes. So you're I, just, I don't know. Podcasting, I just, but you're con pod racing. Like, does does there have to be like a, a motorized something or other in every like like was that? And I'm not. I'm asking this all seriousness because obviously they had like the uh, like the um, speeders in the original trilogy, and they had that that hover thing in uh what tatooine that uh kenobi and skywalker win is it was the pod racer a thing uh, like like we're continuing the tradition of having some kind of land speeder land vehicle scene is that what like what what was the uh what was the thought process behind adding that into that movie i think i always i i uh, when i was growing up I, i was obviously much more uh enthralled by the lightsaber duel at the end but it's in retrospect or i guess not respect now looking at it i like the pod racing sequence i think it's i think it's a nice action scene that isn't just people shooting at each other or uh shaking uh light up swords i i think it's cool like i i, I it's like anything else lucas did i would imagine he probably saw it as a opportunity for merchandise but uh, but I think you can pretty much explain everything in this movie with that phrase. But if you don't want to take it at that level, I think it's just it's it's kind of, it's supposed to be like the Star Wars equivalent of like Ben Hur, the ch- the chariot uh-huh. battle. It's that of Star Wars. I think that's neat. I think in all honesty, I wish we got something more like well, we did kind of get something like that in the Last Jedi with the uh, Fafir chase, which went over like a lead balloon. But <laughs> it's. It's. I like those sort of things. I have no problem with the uh, the Canto bite Fafir thing in Last Jedi, and I have no problem with the uh, pod racing scene. Maybe it goes on a little bit too long. That's a matter of preference. But considering that it has a point in the plot to get uh, to get them the parts for the the starship and to get Anakin off planet, I think it's it's rather uh, neatly hardwired into the film. But again, the easiest, much like for Avengers Endgame, our explanation was don't think about it. The one we have for The Phantom Menace or any George Lucas produced project is uh, it was for merchandising. It just, didn't really, it just it didn't really do anything for me. I'm just watching it. And I'm just like, OK, uh, this this is, you know, this is some kind of race going on. Like, can we get can we kind of get back to the Star Warsy stuff? I don't know. Again. Folks, I don't even have to say at this point. Can we just get like a sound bite of me saying I'm a filthy casual and like you can just edit that in like every <laughs> dumb yeah. reptile? I don't know. Well, I think again, I think it's that's the problem with Star Wars that even now we're kind of having an issue with. And I don't think it's even maybe just exclusive to Star Wars. And I do want to do an episode episode on this eventually. Uh, so I'm not going to get too far into it, but it's the idea that I think fandoms, or whatever you want to call it, are very unforgiving when something tries to go out of the box. And you see that in things like the pod race, the Fothier chase with The Last Jedi, the entire plot of The Last Jedi. Was and... the Fothier chase, was that the casino scene? Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah, people hated that. I mean, I yeah. was like... It's kind of weird, but I mean, it's not the end of the world. It's not the end of the world. Yeah, not the end of the world. I mean, that didn't even last that long. I mean, right? I mean, we're talking about the whole thing of them on the planet, not just the one part where they're they're letting them like run throughout the entire city. People hate that entire like scene of that planet in the movie. Oh, okay. 
It's not just one thing. Remember, Josh, you're dealing with Star Wars fans. You can never just hate one isolated aspect. It has to be like everything. Okay. Everything everything's tied into each other. It's a it's a it's it's like a garden hose with a bunch of kinks in it. Well, I mean, at, at this point, I I feel like I'm coming off as a true Star Wars fan. Then you're, with, with you're, you're getting about. it. You're getting it. <laughs> you're not a true Star Wars fan unless you're hating Star Wars to some capacity. <laughs> I think I told you that once, Josh. Something you did yeah. something once, and you're like, I'm like, my initial response is, it's you're not a true Star Wars fan unless you hate Star Wars to some capacity. Um, no, I, again, I think a lot of Star again, people are very unforgiving. I don't know why. Like they, I, I get it. Like it's this weird sort of duality of, of filmmaking now where uh, this is where I really, I really hate Marvel and the MCU. And it's not that I hate them. It's the idea that it's what they're kind of, what pe the lessons people are taking away from it. Marvel is like McDonald's and the Avengers are a Big Mac. And the problem is that once you start to introduce different elements into that formula, people get mad. And, and that's kind of, but the problem is that, like, you can't, live off big Macs forever and that's what people want from this and that's and that's where you eventually have you get the marvel mcu where every movie is the exact same plot every single movie looks the same every movie has the stupid quips and eventually when you do get an avengers endgame which kind of does something different it makes no sense because they didn't put any thought into it and that's the problem. And their explanation, it's funny, I, I'm not sure if Zenger saw this, but there's like an article going around today, like I guess the, the Russo brothers were on some podcast, and they're answering questions, and they basically- It wasn't Zingness, in case you're wondering. <laughs> yes, I bet a lot of you right now are furiously typing in Zengness into your pod, uh, podcast listener being like, oh man, I can't wait to hear the Russos talk to uh, Zenger and Ellie. Which would be great. I think there'd be no greater episode of Zengness than Ellie talking to the directors of Endgame. Especially <laughs> after she still hasn't seen it. <laughs> I think it'd be even funnier if she has she still hasn't seen the movie and she talks though. Imagine that, like and she has to ask him all these questions like, Man, did you not see the movie? Miss, did you not see it? <laughs> and she'll be like, please answer the question. <laughs> Without giving away any spoilers. She's getting mad at them. Oh god. The first time the, the Russo's been thrown off a podcast before. <laughs> Uh, but no, I, I think that's the problem with it, though, is that like you do try to go outside that box, the fandom rejects it, and then at the same time, if you stay too far within that box, The Force Awakens, people complain about it, yet your movie still makes two billion dollars, and that's See, my, the problem. Go ahead. My my whole thing is is like th something that like musicians, you know, movie directors, anything in the entertainment entertainment industry. People don't know when to leave the party, and they always stay too long when they have something successful. I personally feel like the original trilogy, you know, drop the mic, walk away after you did it. You know, I feel like there should have never been the prequels. I feel like there should have never been the sequels. In my personal opinion, I feel like they he made an amazing trilogy of movies you know, a team of people, whatever, you know, because people say it's George Lucas's wife that, you know, saved it, blah, blah, whatever. Whoever made them and was responsible for the magic that was there, just just let that magic live on through those three movies and don't... Because I get what you're saying, But you Zach. can. You can just watch those movies and enjoy those movies. No one is forcing anyone to watch these other movies, except for, of course... Yeah, but you know you're going to, though. Exactly. You, you know, no, yeah, nobody's forcing you, but it's like, oh, 
the Beatles are reuniting and they're putting out a new record. But I want to remember the magic of Sgt. Pepper, so I'm not going to listen to that. It's like, yeah, you're going to listen to it if you're a huge Beatles fan. And you're going to be disappointed. And so it's like, just don't even make it. That way we can, you know, I, and I know that's probably an unpopular opinion in the Star Wars community. But that's that's how I've always felt at the end of the day about all the extra movies, because none of them have given me the enjoyment that the trilogy has, not even close. But we can answer it with the same word we've already answered many of Josh's questions with. Don't merchandising. Think about it. No, no, <laughs> no. Don't think of merchandising. Oh, <laughs> you can't make money, Josh, off of three movies ever you've already milked dry over the last fifteen years. Yeah, and Especially he did do when that. You obliterate the canon. That too. So what's uh, the next thing? Um, I'm running. I'm running kind of low uh-oh. here. Uh-oh. Um, uh oh. Um. Oh Why yeah, does Darth Maul have so many horns on his head? This Stop. is kind of a, this, this is a <laughs> smaller thing. But when. Uh, when Qui-Gon Jinn, Obi-Wan, and all of them went to uh, capture or went to confront the Viceroy, like, they took the kid with them. And I'm thinking to myself, like, why would you do that? Like, why would you put him in that situation of danger? You know, like, why would... I mean, I guess Qui-Gon Jinn sensed that, you know, his middle chlorine count was off the charts and all this, that, and the other. But it's like, you're going into, like, an area where, like, people are shooting lasers and this, that, and the other, and... I don't know. It's like you brought a little kid. Only when they like passed like a certain point did Qui Gon go stay in the cockpit. And I'm like, oh, now, now all of a sudden you have concern for the kid's safety. But when you're sneaking around the courtyard, you know, and possibly getting shot at, like, you know, I don't know. I just thought that was kind of weird that you would put a, a kid in that that danger. Yeah, I thought that too. And my only explanation really is that uh, the script tells him he needs to be there. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 that's a good point. I'm like, why couldn't he just stay like in, like in, like the forest with like the Gungans, like kind of like on the sidelines? Because obviously, Boss Nass isn't part of the final battle at all. So I'm like, why couldn't he stay with the king? Like, I would imagine if Qui Gon asked, like, hey, you might have this little blonde haired boy chills with you for a couple hours. I, I've never heard an explanation to that. And to be fair, that is one question. I don't think it's if, if it has been asked. I have um, not seen it. Qui Gon makes terrible decisions, and everyone seems to ignore it. They don't call him Qui-Gon Jinn for nothing. Yes. <laughs> he likes his booze. <laughs> That's a red letter um, media joke. Oh, uh, well, I was going to be proud of you for a moment there. <laughs> yes, because I'm the first person to ever make a Qui-Gon Jinn gin liquor reference before. I, I assumed, maybe. Well, maybe we've come wrong. to this point. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Yes, Josh, so you were saying. So now I'll say like the some positive stuff that I like actually liked about the movie. And now we're gonna say how this is actually negative stuff. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> probably. Um, so when uh, was Darth Sidious when he's in when he's like uh, a hologram or whatever, and he's like introducing his apprentice, and Darth Maul just appears in the hologram out of nowhere. Like that was pretty badass. That was a really cool reveal. Yeah, of Darth Maul. Yeah, I concur. Um, uh, Palpatine was great. His acting, his whole character, I really liked him a lot. Yeah. Uh, Darth All Maul. According to plan. Darth Maul was badass. Obviously, um, the obviously the last saber fight between um, you know Qui Gon, Obi Wan, and uh, Darth Maul was like, in my opinion, the the, the best scene in the entire movie. Um, you know, nothing. Probably, probably not a very controversial stance there. Um, 
And yeah, I think that might <laughs> that might be the only things I really oh, enjoyed it, about it. And it was over. Well, and um, Natalie Portman is hot. Josh, he's underage in this. Oh, uh, well, that's... Can we edit that out? Chances are, folks, by the time you're hearing this, I had to edit out the last, like, 20 minutes of conversation because <laughs> Josh, Josh royally put his foot in his mouth. I'm trying to think. Other things about, about The Phantom Menace. Because we're good. the next episode is going to be fixing The Phantom Menace. And so I want to save some of that for then. Yeah, I'm going to fix it real good with a sludge hammer. But the thing is, is that, like, I look back at this movie, and I know a lot of people complain about the fact that, like, it's so far removed from, like, the other films in the saga, especially Attack of the Clones. But I can't help but notice that's kind of like, like part of the charm of this is that it really does feel like a beginning. Like, it feels like really like a fresh start for Star Wars. And much like how I said earlier about the idea of, like, the fandom refusing to let things go outside like the proverbial box i like that about this this thing does feel so much like a, a first step yeah i'll agree with that i mean i i honestly got that vibe when i was watching the movie i was like looking at their clothing choices and you know i, I mean aside from the jedis who always look the same but just the uh, the general aesthetic i mean if you ignore all the you know bad cgi and you know just really look at the aesthetics of everything it's like yeah it really does look like the first Star Wars, you know, film in that regard. They did get that right, I felt. But that's, like, in a way, though, like, I don't even think, you know, like, yes, it feels like Star Wars. But at the same time, it doesn't because, like, it feels so far ahead of everything. Like, it's kind of weird. Yeah, it's think. supposed to be behind. The, the thing I mean is that, like, you think about, like, like, even though I don't think a lot of people knew this in 1999, but, like, this takes place, what, 30... Three years before A New Hope, right, Sanger? Hold on. It's what? Okay, because this is okay. You got ten years between now and Attack of the Clones. Three years between that. So thirty-two years before the original film. Thirty-two. Excuse me, but like think about considering that it's only thirty-two years before the original trilogy. This feels like it could be a hundred years. Like it feels so distant in that regard. Yeah, I always thought it was a lot further back than that that's surprising that it. i i always thought that almost the, like this should have been set back further so you know obi-wan being only 50 something makes sense or maybe you know zinger's just talking out of his ass again like every other episode of this podcast bingo i i think that's exactly you would think so you'd be like oh i remember like because apparently obi-wan is 25 by the events of this film wait is he yeah the the book the book master and apprentice says that uh I'm gonna that, contradict that with the internet. No, you're wrong. I know. Well, the book the book he was he's 17 in the book I just read, and that takes place eight years prior to this. Once again, oh. while I'm looking up stuff, you guys can talk. Saying what your your fact checking is so important though. <laughs> All right. Um, the thing too, like obviously, I love the ending of this. And again, the duel, capital D U E L. And the thing I have to say about this, though, is like I feel they did such a great job of choreographing and just kind of the the spectacle that is the duel at the end of this. It kind of makes me feel like where can you take Star Wars lightsaber fighting after this? Because Revenge of the Sith is neat and all, but like how how can you ever top this? Can you? 
with Yoda doing his little twirly doos on the in the second one. I definitely think that's what went through Lucas's mind. It's like, okay, how am I going to top that? I'm going to have Yoda do it against the CGI. That was of that was pretty Lynch. cool. I, I don't know. That's just my take on it. Like from Attack of the Clones, that was a pretty cool. Like finally seeing Yoda, you know, show what he's got. Yeah, and then like a year later, the internet just dogpiled on it and said it how was bad it, or wait, good. Wait, how, how old did bad. you say he was? Really? Uh, he's seven. He's twenty-five by the events of the Phantom Menace. Hmm. The internet did not mm-hmm. like the uh, Yoda lightsaber fight. Nope. Why? I, I, I don't it was know. Ridiculous. The... It was over the top. <laughs> it's Star Wars. Yeah. Uh-huh. But that's why. Okay, that's the thing. With, again, I don't know how soon the backlash started with that. But I. But people. I remember when when that movie came out in two thousand two. And by that point, I was. Uh, Firmly into Star Wars. That's all. I remember because I, well, I remember with Star Wars, it took me a while to see it when I was, well, younger because uh, my parents, because that's when I lived, used to live in Florida. And that was right when like school kind of ended. So there was the idea like, oh no, you finish your schoolwork first, then you get to go like go to the movies. Like that was at that end of the year time. So I remember like coming to school like the Monday after it came out. And like that's all everybody was talking about I obviously had no idea But that was like the moment And then over time it just kind of devolved into a Another aspect of that film to use as a punching bag Yeah that was the big moment That everyone talked about uh, When when it came out As well For where I was at Like everyone talked about Oh man Yoda finally Has a lightsaber fight And it was like this you know big deal And no one, no one was like dogging it no, when it came out, it, it's like everything with these movies. Like when they come out, everybody's just like high on the moment of it. And then as time goes on, it's like, oh, like it's it's what's gonna happen with Endgame. Like Avengers Endgame's gonna have the exact same thing. Everyone's high on it right now. It's like what's happening with Avatar. Like I again, I, I've gone into my Avatar story before, but it's the idea. Like I saw that movie after being on the hype train for like months about it and like pre-release stuff. I saw it and like disliked it. From like the moment I walked out of it And yet think about it, the movie made 2.7 billion dollars Yet 10 years later Everybody claims to hate it It's like no, a movie does not make Even a, a fraction of that If everybody claimed to hate it And that's what bothers me about the internet culture Right now, is that just because you claim to hate Something now, doesn't mean you didn't like it Originally, or even worse, that means You're a bandwagon person well, there's like, so many. There's such a like a pile on culture with the internet. It's really ridiculous. I mean, I, as a YouTuber, I see that. Like, if you make a video on something, and in the moment, you know, say you're you're really like early to the the party with the video that you make, and it's and people aren't quite sure, you know, what they're like. For instance, that uh, I did a video on the Michael Jackson leaving Neverland documentary that came out on HBO. And I made it so early that, like, the general consensus hadn't been had yet. So people were still, like, they didn't know how to react. But then, like, the internet, you know, pretty much decided overnight that, oh, yeah, those kids are full of crap. Michael Jackson's completely innocent. So let's go downvote anything that says otherwise. It's like there's so many people out there who need to be told what opinion to have. On, on the internet, I feel like. And it's like, as soon as a general consensus is reached, like, oh, yes, everyone on the internet feels this way about this. Like, there's so many people out there who's like, okay, I feel that way now, too. And that's really annoying. 
Yeah, and that and that's the problem. Though. So like, and that's what that's why I kind of start again going back to obviously Josh being kind of the foundation for all this. And that's the reason why I wanted to. St- I started this podcast and why I really why I wanted to gain out of it. It was the idea that like Force Awakens comes out and everybody's having the circle jerk about that movie. And it's like, folks, like, I, yeah, I, I never want, if somebody likes something, I never want to take it away from them. I don't. Like, if you like any movie, you enjoy that movie as much as you humanly can. But it's the idea that, like, folks, there's things that, like, don't work in this movie. Like, we, we, like you can like something but be critical of it. Like, I love the Star Wars prequels. Yeah, I can be critical of the fact that certain things don't work in them. But like and like you have that and like nobody wanted to criticize the Force Awakens. And it was weird. The only criticism that came out of the Force Awakens was the Mary Sue controversy with Ray. And again, the internet likes likes buzzwords. And it's not saying something like Mary Sue kind of encapsulates it too much for my liking. It what makes what the hell is a Mary Sue, by the way? I, I've heard the terminology. I've been too lazy to look it up. A Mary Sue <laughs> is a character that basically. Uh, doesn't have to go through trials and tribulations. It's just kind of like inherently good at everything. That's kind of the easiest way to describe it without going into a really like a textbook definition of what it is. Um, think of like a Master Chief from Halo. A character that's just good. A Superman. They... No, well, not real. I don't think Superman's not a fair Not from the Zack Snyder movies. <laughs> Sanger, that's a whole other bag of worms. We're not getting into that. I said so, not from them. Some, somewhere Eric right now is like screaming Explaining to us how Superman works And how uh, Superman breaking someone's neck in Man of Steel Is 100% loyal to the comics um, No, that's what Mary Sue is Mary Sue is this a character That somehow just becomes good overnight at something I gotcha And that's where a lot of the Ray Mary Sue thing came in And You can have Ray in The Force Awakens Be good at everything But you have to explain it in a sense. So, like, if you were to say that, oh, the mini, like, let's say, for example, they did the same thing with Anakin in the Phantom Menace they did with Rey in The Force Awakens and said, oh, she has a high midichlorian count. That would explain why Rey is so good at everything. In the streets. No, there wouldn't. No, there wouldn't. That film still would have made $2 billion. Um, Contrary to everybody thinks. (laughs) It would have been a happy riot. Movie theaters rioted um, from all the money they had. In their coffers If you can explain something You should like it's called efficient storytelling Or in the case of The Force Awakens It's lazy storytelling Combined with a social agenda And so you know I didn't really care about The Force Awakens that way I thought it was a mediocre action action adventure film But it was like when Rogue One came out And I loved I, I loved Rogue One as much as the next person That because again it's like Everybody has their dark period of being a Star Wars fan My dark period was like December 2015 to December 2016 Because I'm like oh god what's going to happen If this new era of Star Wars movies Isn't very good it, Or if they're all just going to be nostalgic retreads And then like oh Rogue One comes out and it's the idea of like I love Rogue One, but it was like oh god, no no one was willing to. I remember oh god, like you were talking about with message boards, Josh. I I used to be really big on the Rebel Scum forums, which is a Star Wars collecting message board. But um, you could any sort of good message board, it, it lets you do other avenues of of the topic at hand. And so like, I back when like Rogue One was having all of its um uh pre uh, production. Controversy I would like go on there And be like folks like I understand how Movies work like this is not Good when a movie like when over 40% Of a movie has to be reshot And the director gets thrown out of the Editing bay that's not good like We shouldn't be applauding this 
and like all you in like Josh already said, you get the comments like uh, you're wrong, and it's like and you'll respond with like a paragraph worth of information citing sources, and the per- that same old person will respond with you're wrong, and I effed your mother. It's like oh my <laughs> god, it's like what is the point? And and it's like and that's what really was starting to frustrate me because like I want to voice my opinion, but the problem with a with a, a forum or a message board is you're basically just yelling into the void. You have no authority on a message board that you don't own, and that's why again going back to why this podcast started it was like okay I want to have my opinion out there and I want it in a way that gives it more authority than just a bunch of words in a paragraph. And uh, and then two years plus later here we are. So I'm curious, uh, do, do you feel like, um, you know, cause, cause you know, they, I've, I've heard the term not my star Wars and all that. Do you feel like th- that the new star Wars movies are push pushing some kind of a social justice warrior agenda? It, it, they're, they're trying to subvert people with some kind of a agenda or anything like that. Uh, I don't have an opinion. I don't know one way or the other. I'm genuinely just curious. I don't. I don't feel one way or the other about it. I to just quote, want to know your take. To quote The Simpsons, specifically Reverend Lovejoy. I think that's what he says. Short answer: No. Long answer: Yes, but with a but. And that's and that's that's what it comes down to. Because I I think I've made I've said a couple of times on this podcast. I am a very conservative leaning individual. And I know when to spot things. Like I, I, I know there's some of that in the Force Awakens. Like I already said, it's there with Ray in the Force Awakens. There's a reason why Ray's good at everything. And it's not explained. It's not because of the midichlorians. And yet, I, I have the four films Disney has made, the two TV series. I don't see any sort of social agenda outside of what what's in every Hollywood's inherently liberal leaning. So it, it's it's baked into the pie with them. So you're, but at the same time, I don't think there's anything in this movie or any of the movies, for the most part, that 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 that's leaning in that direction. Any any more so than anything else. I I think, of course, they're going to have things in there that I think are going to be misinterpreted. I've gotten into so many fun, okay uh, debates, disputes with people like who say things like that, like saying like, oh, I can't. I, I there's one guy who at the food pantry that I volunteer at. He's like, oh, I won't watch The Last Jedi or Solo because of the message they're trying to push in these movies. And I go, what's the message? Tell me what message they're pushing. And they can't give you an answer because there is none. There's no message being pushed in any of these movies. Like, if you don't like The Last Jedi, you, like we said numerous times, you can dislike The Last Jedi as much as you like. But you got to dislike it because there's a reason why you don't like it, not because, like we've already mentioned, the internet told you to dislike it. And uh, but yeah, no, not much Star Wars based on uh, socio-political reasons. I think that the sad thing is, much like everything else, um, the culture war has bled into everything, and sadly, Star Wars has become another front for that. Sadly, I mean, I did feel like the uh, soccer mom-looking lady in the uh, last one was very bizarre, and I did, I did (laughs) feel like that was kind of the the a. uh, product of uh you know we need more strong women in positions of power telling these these dirtbag men what to do for once hashtag time's up i didn't uh-uh. feel like i feel i know i know I just uh, okay. we're really getting in trouble again 
just stirred the 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 crap pot with that. But I don't know. I did, did kind of feel like that's where uh, she was kind of coming from because uh, maybe if they didn't make her look so much like a mom, Leia looked badass back in the day. You know, I mean, like that she was an awesome woman and she looked cool. You know, I just her 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 character design was really poor. I guess. Are we are we talking about the vo- uh, okay? Shot doesn't know his characters. The woman with the purple hair. Yes. Okay, we're talking about Vice Admiral Hall, though. Okay, I just want to make sure who we know. I, we're on the same page here. I, I know a lot of people point to her, and I know this has nothing to do with the Phantom Menace. But the thing is, is that like people say, "Oh, why couldn't she tell Poe the plan?" And two, see, she she emasculates Poe in front of the crew. No, Poe's thing is that Poe's grappling with how to be a leader. In the Force Awakens, his entire thing is, "Oh, jump in an X-wing and blow stuff up." And Poe is growing as a character. And you don't grow as a character unless you face trials and tribulation, which was what everybody complained about that there wasn't enough of in The Force Awakens. It's another layer of the people who cannot, again, everybody who complained about The Force Awakens got what they wanted in The Last Jedi, yet were too blinded by their, I don't know what you want to call it, to recognize it. And I think that's the weird thing. Ryan Johnson gave answered every single fan criticism of The Force Awakens in The Last Jedi, and yet no one ever gave him the credit for it. And that's why – so like if we want to talk about how Vice Admiral Haldo is showing how she's a strong, independent woman and is trying to emasculate Poe, then why does she let him live on and be the future of the Resistance while she does a suicide attack to save what's left of the Resistance? If she was trying to put him in his place and she wanted to be the hero of the Resistance, she would have gotten on the transport and left him there to kind of man the sinking ship, so to speak. So I don't get this thing of how she's like, – yeah, she, she emasculated him. By sacrificing herself. Huh? Like It makes no sense to me. And and that's the problem is that no one... The people who swallow these uh, headlines don't think about the movie. Like we've said, they're the same ones who think about these movies twice a year. The problem is that part of the thinking about twice a year is reading the the headlines on Yahoo News the following morning. That's that's the sad part. And, and then, no, and I think that also, to, help, to try to tie this or circle back to The Phantom Menace, I think that's what kind of led to The Phantom Menace getting a bum rap for so many years. It's the idea that, like, oh, is like, after, what, 16 years between Return of the Jedi and The Phantom Menace, there's no possible way any film could le- to live up to those expectations. It couldn't have. And it's the weird thing that's that's happening right now with The Force Awakens is that, like, when The Phantom Menace came out, nobody complained about it. It's like we were already discussing with Attack of the Clones and Yoda. There was no comp- – nobody complained about the movie walking out of it. The thing is, is that after enough time, people get disgruntled, or it's like what's happened, like what I'm doing with Avengers Endgame. I walked out of Endgame, and I thought it was really neat. I, I, I still think it's really neat. The problem is that when you think about the movie in just the slightest way, it falls apart because it doesn't make sense. Not, the movie's logic doesn't make sense. Um, and that's what's going to happen. Mark my words. Three, four years from now, much like we started to do with Avatar. Like when Avatar came out, nobody crapped on Avatar. You can't crap on a movie that's on its way to $2.7 billion. The same way nobody's crapping on Endgame. And yet, watch. Three to five years from now, when we have Avatar 3 through 7, which was just announced, and we have whatever the next uh, 
lightning in a bottle culturally, guess what? We're going to be crapping on Endgame, the fact that nothing makes sense in that movie. And, and it's just an inevitable part of, unfortunately, pop culture nowadays. It's like with Titanic. We crap on—it's funny. Titanic now has went from cultural touchstone to look how sappy this movie is to cultural touchstone again. It's it's this weird this this weird sort of cyclical thing we have in the culture right now that's I don't want to call it toxic. I just think it's just part of just how things go. I would imagine back in nineteen probably sixty, people were like like uh, back in the nineteen seventies, people probably crapped on how uh, schmaltzy Gone with the Wind and Casablanca were. I think that's just how we live. I think that's just how things work. We're, we're always going to crap on the things of yesteryear and how what we're doing now is so much more important than things in, in years past. And it takes time for, uh, I don't want to say nostalgia, but it takes time for things to, t- things to settle. Something has to kind of settle in and realize, wow, maybe this was trying to accomplish something that we weren't privy to at the time when it was gestating. End of the soapbox. Getting off the seat. See, that's why I said Zenger means. I, I live on the soapbox, and I have to kind of, I have to get off of it every once in a while. The problem is, that I'm so high up, I kind of break my neck as I hit the pavement. Well, I mean, when you're making valid points, you know, it's not, uh, it doesn't bother me, you know, or anything. It's like, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, I agree with, with that, you know, for the most part. Um, I feel like people didn't complain as much back, and like, I feel like people were just happy to like have entertainment. Like back in the 70s and, you know, like going to the theater was still kind of a magical experience. And now it's just kind of like people just take all this kind of stuff for granted, you know, with Netflix and all the various entertainment options, you know. Um, I don't know. That could be a naive way of looking at the past, but... I think you're right because I, it's funny. It's because I saw this a couple days. Because obviously, Josh, you know the whole thing about people are com- like talking about the fact that like Netflix, staying at home, people only go to the movie theaters now for the Avengers. Yeah, the big the Star Wars, you know, big special effects things you got us to see on the big screen. The spectacle movies. Yeah, and I saw this was this was during the Avengers Endgame deluge a couple week a couple weekends ago, where like a lot of people were talking about who worked at movie theaters that weekend, saying like we aren't staffed for this sort of thing, and like people were like taking pictures of, like again the cleaning crew of these theaters of like after a showing of Endgame, and you had popcorn everywhere, like much more like exaggerated than it would be on a, a normal Friday or Saturday night. And I couldn't help but feel that movie theater, much like how, like we, like you said, we don't value movies anymore because it, everything is so disposable, and it's like everything is kind of like like a Burger King, and that's kind of how the movie theaters felt going to see Avengers Endgame. As somebody who saw Avengers Endgame twice opening weekend, it felt like being online in a Burger King McDonald's Wendy's at 12.15. And anybody who's been online in a drive-thru in a fast food restaurant at 12.15 can tell you it's a miserable experience. You're sitting there. The person ahead of you can barely tell the person taking the order what they want. The person taking the order can barely figure out what the person wants. And by the time you get your, your Big Mac or your Whopper, you realize you got a chicken sandwich with an apple pie instead of a Big Mac in a large order of fries. And I think that's what's kind of happening with media nowadays is that like, we don't we're so concerned about the process of getting it and getting it correctly we forget at the end of the day all we're trying to do is have our bellies fed 
and that's and that's the issue. We're kind of losing sight of the big picture here. It's like think about it. Like if you're going to McDonald's for a Big Mac and fries, why are you going there? You're going there solely to be fed. So you're not hungry anymore. So if you get a chicken sandwich instead of a, a Whopper, is it the end of the world? No. Is it, is it not what you originally wanted? Yes. But we're so concerned about the minutia of it in the case of the Phantom Menace, Jar Jar, Jake Lloyd, um, the special effects that we lose sight of. Oh, this was all over in 1983. And I think, and I think that's the ultimate lesson from all this. And that's, what's, and that's the weird thing that's happening right now with the current movies, like with Avengers Endgame. Like two weeks ago, we were being sold Avengers Endgame as the last film of the MCU. And yet today they've announced eight more films. It's like, okay, <laughs> I guess that end of thing was only good for the marketing cycle that concluded on May 6th. Man, you sure do like talking about Avengers Endgame. <laughs> I I know we have a okay. I know there's it's a because he has to resist the the urge to talk about Lolita Battle Angel. If only need... if only I could get as much conversation out of Lolita Battle Angel as I could about Avengers. I don't even know what that is. Don't 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 <laughs> don't please. I he keeps talking that. about food. I'm hungry right now. Somewhere Sanger right now is in the drive-thru at Burger King trying to order a Whopper. <laughs> no, it's not twelve fifteen. I got, I got, I got a little bit to go. <laughs> ba da ba ba da ba. I'm yeah. not loving it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. I think Zinger closed that bit out better than I ever could. Uh, no, like I said, I know they have a portion of the audience that sit, that the stick to the issues crowd and hates it when I get off on like MCU Marvel tangents. But no, I think if you're going to understand what decisions they're making at lucasfilm right now everything is trying to follow the marvel model and i don't think you're gonna be able to fully understand what it is that lucasfilm is doing if you don't understand what their corporate cousin is doing and considering that the corporate cousins could have the first film to ever make three billion dollars worldwide is it there yet it's it's going based on the trajectory it's gonna get there so did you not like avengers endgame zach no, I thoroughly enjoyed it, despite the fact that it makes absolutely no sense when you think about it. Don't think about it. There you go. That's your problem. You thought about it. That, don't think about it. That's, that's the problem. You, that'll learn you. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the second tagline under the don't think about it. It says, don't think about it, Justin Zanger. And then under that, it says, what'd you say, Josh? That'll learn, that'll you. learn you. That'll learn you under that. That's what it says. That that's the second uh, pull quote for the for the box. That'll learn you. Is this still essential viewing for Star Wars? Where's George Lucas now? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, somewhere in a food court, either eating noodles. I just really enjoy these 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 high quality noodles. Well, I feel that um, everything must rhyme, so I I feel that holy crap, uh, Star Wars: The Clone Wars. Is 18% on Rotten Tomatoes. Take that, Zach. Okay, Darren. All right, Josh. <laughs> I mean, I would say like like sadly, yes, because if you're gonna if you're going to watch the trilogy, um you know, say you had a kid and you you showed them the well, actually, this is a question for you, Zach. If you have a kid. Uh, uh, I've, you, I've done this actually, so I'd be the better one to ask because she knows what a Star Wars movie is now because we watched them all. 
Well, did you watch it in chrono or uh, did you watch it in the uh, order oh, of the episode? Do I have to do it? That's why. Did you, did, <laughs> uh, did you watch it in the order of the episodes or did you watch it, you know, trilogy, classic trilogy first? Sanger's waking up his three year old daughter right now from dead. Hot Quinn, get up. We have questions. She's four. Um, <laughs> okay. So here's the problem. The most recent time I watched, we watched all of them. Was when we did the episodes on Zingness covering it. We decided to go in numerical or uh, in event order of when they take place because we were doing a lead up to Last Jedi. When we watch them when she gets older, Ellie will argue this with me because there's an entire episode of Zingness discussing this. I say watch the unaltered original ones first. Then watch the first three because I feel it's be- it goes it's better that way. Yeah, so I guess <laughs> I guess any way you slice it, episode one would be. I mean, all I mean, the whole prequels are for for no reason other than to find out, you know, how does Anakin become Darth Vader? I mean, what it, that I mean, that on paper that could be a super interesting story. You know, did it end up that way? I mean, that's up for debate, but. You know, if you watch it, even if you watch the classic trilogy first, you're still going to want to be like, oh, there exists a uh, a prequel that tells me how this creepy guy in this black suit became this creepy, creepy guy in a black suit. Like, hell yeah, I want to watch that, you know. So, yeah, I mean, I would I would say that would be essential viewing. Fair enough. Fair enough. I guess I want. Uh, touch on the fact too because i know there's gonna be no other point where i'll be able to bring this up is oh, that like God. when the fan relax when the phantom menace was when jorge released it in 3d in february of 2012 um fascinating thing about that is that like imagine you're george lucas it's the 3d craze like all the movies are in 3d it's an easy way to make money and so you're I, george lucas I've always intended my movies to be viewed in three dimensions my, I always intended my movies being viewed through darkly tinted glasses while staring at a poorly lit movie theater um, screen. But my thing I think is the most fascinating about Lucas is that like Lucas is like, okay, I'm going to re-release the Star Wars in 3D with a 3D conversion. He doesn't start with the original trilogy. He starts with possibly the least popular film of the saga. That's up for debate. Yeah, yeah, we know your thoughts, <laughs> but it's the it's the idea. Like, think about it. George Lucas is, chooses first to release the Phantom Menace in 3D, and yet it still makes like 40 million dollars in the U.S. And this was like like February of 2012 was like the hot spot of like when prequel hatred was at like its most like like unrefined just oh god it was just it was like a cesspool that's when like you had red letter media was really coming into its own uh simon Pegg was out there bashing it Patton oswalt was out there really doing his thing the internet was really like all the think pieces were really coming in hot and heavy and i find that fascinating because then like he does that in february of 2012 and then like five months what seven months later no nine months later he sells the company to Disney. Like well, that's so that's well, so fascinating. Well, for the record, I I tried. Tried what, Mister Lucas? I I tried to 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 capture the lightning in the bottle again to get it back in there. 
Did you succeed? Well, I got this bottle of lightning right now, so you tell me. <laughs> is it right next to your plate of uh, food court noodles? You stay away from those. <laughs> but yeah, I guess I'm going to read my fortune cookie. Optimism. I mean, outlook looks optimistic, huh? Guess I should should go get another plate of noodles. There are so many ways that fortune cookie joke could have gone. Zanger, you have to re- okay. We might we might have to do an insert here. You might have to, we might have to get some better ones. Where's some other Lucas? What's some other dime store wisdom that Lucas would sit there see in a cookie? Uh, you know what? Keep keep going. I'll I'll work on it for a minute. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I, I I find that um the idea that like Lucas, I, I had that had to be the canary in the coal mine for Lucas was releasing it in three D, picking the most unpopular film. Releasing it in 3D, which at that point the gimmick was start, the novelty was already wearing off, and it still makes money. Like I went to the midnight premiere of of the Phantom Menace in 3D, and it was it was funny. All people did was laugh. It was like a Rocky Horror Picture Show type experience. If anybody in our audience went to go see the Phantom Menace in 3D, comment down below. I did not. I, I if you saw it at midnight, I'll give you a thumbs up. If you saw it at midnight, too. dear God. Think about it, folks. I stayed. I saw that at midnight. It was glorious, glorious, glorious. Phantom Menace on the big screen. Okay, well, I got my plate of fortune cookies here, so let's crack open a few. The secret to film is that it's an illusion, huh? Uh, you know what? I, I'd have to agree with that. If uh, here, here's the next one. Uh, you can't do it unless you can imagine it. Mm. Very poignant. I figured, okay, okay, for the record, I was expecting things like uh, more George Lucas quotes in The Phantom Menace, like uh, um, the Jedi just kick, uh, cut them up, like slice them up like butter, or like, like, a hot, like a hot knife through warm butter. Storytelling is about two things it's about character and plot and merchandising. Up, I listed three things. My bad. Yippee. <laughs> yes, that was exactly what I wanted it to be. <laughs> this is the height of my excitement. I could never be more um, excited than this. I thought Star Wars was too wacky for the general public. As a Western, The Magnificent Seven was a pretty good film. I don't think it was interesting or as multi Faced as Seven Samurai. All right, let, let me put on my glasses. Oh, I already had them on. All right. Uh, I gotta go. Go to the wedding. My ex-wife will be there. My new wife will be there. But I'm gonna have to take a very deep breath and be a good person and sit through it. Just enjoying the moment. Like I enjoyed the scene where Jar Jar. I'm I'm getting sidetracked. Because it is what it is, and it's a consi- consi- <laughs> Mr. Consistent- Lucas, are you having a stroke? Consistent <laughs> <coughs> decision that I made, just like when I created that lovable character, Jar Jar. <laughs> oh my god. Um, real quote, folks, real quote. All right. I've been reading real quotes the entire time over here. But but nowhere near as entertaining. All All right. right. 
All right, you two. Anything else about the Phantom Menace, or we can ra- can we wrap this up? Wrap it up. I'll take right. it. So concludes this episode of the Knights of Vader, a Star Wars podcast. Check out our Facebook group, Knights of Vader. You'll find Zenger there, Josh, the whole gang, maybe even Force Ghost Jim if you catch him when the wind blows right. Find us on Instagram at KOV Podcast. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes or whatever podcasting platform you're currently listening to us on. Thank you to An Inspiriority Complex for providing our theme song. Check out the show notes to hear more from them. For questions, comments, concerns, or snide remarks, contact me, Zach, on Twitter, at Cinemodies, and come hear me on the Cinemodies podcast, where I'll be talking about Little Shop of Horrors, starring Rick Moranis, and other people whose name I can't remember right now. Besides me, Zenger, where can people find you? Uh, You can find me every week yelling about nerdy stuff over on the Zing This podcast. And our renaissance man himself, the fa- the abusive stepfather of Knights of Vader, Mr. Josh Cannon. Where can people find you when you're not abusing your Star Wars child? Shut up! Get back to work! Um, <laughs> Daddy, not the belt, again. <laughs> your mother's a <laughs> You were a mistake. <laughs> Ooh, deep cut. <laughs> Ruined my dreams. I'm more you editing find- to do there, Zach. <laughs> A lot you more can editing. find uh, me and my podcast, which is better than this one, at uh, uh, it's available on all the platforms. Uncovering unexplained mysteries. We, unlike this podcast, talk about something that's only about fifteen years old. <laughs> Very angry individual. But if, but father, what did I ever do to you? You, you were born, you little. B- this <laughs> <laughs> got dark fast folks yeah. ever, since we, ever since we got into Jake Lloyd It went downhill fast <laughs> oh, so, so like two hours ago <laughs> Yeah pretty much We kind of got out of the gate and it, We just collapsed Look if I don't If I don't put my foot in my mouth Then it's not an Uncovering Explained Mysteries podcast So how could I deprive this podcast Of, of the same uh, Same thing You know what I mean well, I remember when I had Josh on the first time two years ago. I said, Josh, you be you. Do not censor yourself in the slightest. And oh boy, did I get that and then some tonight. That's right. As always, Josh, thanks for coming on. I know when you're not drinking your Paps Blue Ribbon and uh, putting out your cigarettes on our body, we, we genuinely appreciate you bringing us into the world. I got a family of possums if anyone's interested. They That's live under joke. my bathtub. That's not a joke. It's not, sadly. <laughs> Please, somebody come get them if you live in the Jacksonville area. Zenger still thinks that's a joke, but it is not. <laughs> no, there used to be one. That was the cool thing. There used to only be one. I, I, have, I have questions, but you know what? I've had enough things answered tonight for me. Oh, God. Um well, folks, you, you too, if you, if you say Josh's name three times in the in the podcast Facebook group, if you actually say the word possum three times, he will magically appear in the Facebook group. So, uh, oh, God. You know what those, I don't know what those possums are doing, Josh. Maybe they have a secret to life, the way they keep multiplying. Yeah, I don't know. I just know that I took the little panel on the inside of my closet. I took the panel off to see what all the hubbub was and literally, like, Inside the wall, me and the possum met. We our gaze met, 
and I became frightened and I just put the panel back over the wall and just sealed it shut with multiple layers of tape. <laughs> so now I just I just see the thing at, in my yard at like three and four a.m. just scouting around. Did my... I, I I love the mental image I get of like the blinds like going down slightly and him looking and the possum just kind of like waddling through the yard, stopping, turning around, looking directly at him. Yeah. No, it's it's they're evil. And and it's got it's got like this vacation home in this fern patch to the right of my house that it vacations at there sometimes too. But don't worry, under my bathtub is the main is the main dwelling of the possum. <laughs> Folks, I want everybody to know, like I Unsolved Mysteries is great, but when it comes to uncovering and explaining mysteries, you come for the unsolved mysteries. You stay for the banter about the possum in the uh, ingrown toenail. Like yeah. this, <laughs> I guess I know that's kind of like it's when it's coarse joke. <laughs> Zanger continues to die. Um, I know that joke's kind of run its course, but you know what? There's still some mileage there. There's some tread still left on those tires. Well, you know, it's it's one of those things that like the more I I uh, loathe the the uh, the reality of my situation. Uh, the funnier it becomes to people. So I don't think the joke is ever going to truly die. I think Mike's ingrown toenail will die before my possum situation. <laughs> Dude, get the crap anywhere. removed. The but what Zanger, now? About the ba- the comedic gold, Zanger. You can't get rid of the comedic gold. No, the possums are fine. That's that's their choice. Just get the toenail ripped out. Good God. Apparently he's... flyers right here. He's, 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 he's had a lot of work done on the toe and... I mean, you just, you just got to kind of know Mike and the fact that like that was like the biggest crisis Where's that was hammer? going on in his life. It, it, it's just it's I'll solve this real quick. Well, if you live in the Vancouver, Washington area, please do. I'm on it. <laughs> oh, God. I like it's to so see you got a problem solver on your podcast, Zach. No, I'm, I'm a problem maker. By solving a problem, I make another one. Yeah, the toenail might be not ingrown anymore. But that toe ain't going to be the same. <laughs> what has this podcast become? <laughs> I, I believe they, 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 the word devolved is, would be thrown around <laughs> at this point. would be appropriate. I was thinking more like off the rails, but I like that too. More concise. Oh, dear Lord. No, All right. Devolved implies that we evolved at some point during this show. Yeah, it's true. All right, Zanger, what's our moment to Zang so we can close this miserable episode out? Episode two is still the worst thing in creation, according to me. Uh, I still like episode two. No, get him on for that discussion so I can just scream more. He already was on. He was on the episode two discussion before you were held hostage. No, I want to be on it. I need to... I need to respond. You know what? Maybe I'll go listen to that episode, and I'll just have an episode with me just responding to every point you guys make. What we'll do, Zanger, is that we'll have you listen to the episode and give a live commentary to the episode. Perfect. You know what the, you know what the sad thing is? I actually think I kind of liked that uh, that one, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Is that week's episode? I think I liked episode two. I thought God it was all right. Dang it. Uh-oh. I think he's you coming. I think he's heading to Jacksonville, Florida after after he's done getting Mike's toe, Josh. Well, that's God cool. dang it. <laughs> Alrighty. I'd like to thank all kidding aside. Thank you, Josh, for coming on. It's always a pleasure having you on, having my residential layman 
on for the Star Wars podcast. It's because of people like you that we learn about where the saga is trending. Because clearly it is Disney who's trying to court you and not people like Zanger and I. Well, I mean, I thank you for having me on here. And I look forward to listening to this episode uh, six months from now when you actually release it. Because that's how Zach releases his podcasts. You mean yes. court hearing? <laughs> no, yeah. Well, when I get my summons to uh, appear in the uh, in the court, yeah, the people's court, that people will not get because that was clearly edited out of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Keep referencing it. Oh God. All righty, everybody. Good night, but not goodbye. Bye. See you.